and welcome to Girls Talk Cyber, GTC, the podcast to help young people feel empowered, educated, and engaged on all things cybersecurity. My name's Jules, and I'm joined by my co-host, Em. Hey, everyone. In this podcast, we want to take away the tech bro cybersecurity jargon and give you the opportunity to understand this incredibly exciting space to help you redefine how you act online. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics this season, from teaching you how to bolster your online security to interviewing amazing women who work in this field and taking a peek behind the curtain into the dark web. And don't worry, here at GTC, we're a judgment-free zone. We don't want to scare you off Facebook or shame job you for clicking a link. No, no, no. We're here to get you involved in the conversation and make you feel as though in the event of a cyber attack or a scary online occurrence, you have the tools and resources to deal with it. And to keep the conversation going, Em and I have set up a Facebook group and Instagram account for our GTC community to ask questions, share cybersecurity stories, and keep up to date with the latest tips and tricks. Let's get into it, Em. Okay, so today's guest is a really exciting one. We have our first ever Chief Information Security Officer at the University of Newcastle, Shireen Syed. Shireen, would you like to introduce yourself and give a little bit of background uh, about yourself to the listeners? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be on the GTC. So like Emily mentioned, I'm the CISO for the University of Newcastle. And so in that role, it's kind of like the most senior position in the university for cyber. So looking after things like the strategy, the program of work, just the overall level of risk and what's being done to mitigate it, the day-to-day operations and just being across the threat landscape. And so I guess just a bit about myself. So I've only ever worked really in cybersecurity. I had a short stint in IT risk management when I first started off as a graduate. But ever since then, I've just been in the cyber world doing cyber things and have really enjoyed it since. And how did you get involved in cybersecurity? What made you interested in it and how did you end up here? So at uni, I actually did commerce. um, And so I really wanted to work in economic policy because I was really interested in that field. But I ended up getting a graduate job at a big four. And in that company, I was in a rotation in the IT risk team. So when I was in that team, I was doing things like audits of systems against different frameworks. And then I think about a year into that, I started hearing about this new thing called cyber and I was like oh that sounds interesting and I randomly was approached to get a job at another place and I just thought you know what why not I'm just going to see what this is all about so it was a bit of a risk at the time it definitely paid off because I was very interested in it after that. Yeah that's awesome so it sounds like you kind of fell into it and now you're loving it like that sliding door opportunity of someone coming up to you and giving you that opportunity is really cool to hear about. Um, you mentioned frameworks and strategies. Can we kind of give maybe a definition to what are these cybersecurity frameworks that you use on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, sure. sure. So just, I guess, like any kind of field out there, there's a bunch of rules around how to do something in the best way or what good looks like. And so in the cyber world, you know, depending on the type of sector you're working in, there's going to be a bunch of different frameworks and standards for you to follow. So um, as an example, we at the university use the NIST cybersecurity framework. So that's a US government standard for managing cybersecurity. And it's very specific to, you know, an organization's level of maturity and readiness. So you kind of align yourself with it and then you measure your progress. And so the idea is that 
by implementing or following some of these standards and frameworks, you'll actually mature your cybersecurity posture. If you're working in like a banking area, you might be looking at things like CPS. You might be looking at things like PCI, which is around credit card security. So I guess it really just depends on the sector you're in um, and the relevant standards and frameworks for you. Right. So this framework kind of sets the North Star for your business within your industry that you as a company can work towards to become more cyber secure, I guess. Yeah, definitely. For M&I, we're kind of familiar with the term CISO or CISO, and we did want to hope to unpack this a little bit for the listeners. So what does a CISO do? I know you touched on it in your introduction, but can you explain what your day-to-day might look like and break down the role a little bit? Yeah, sure. So there are just so many different aspects to this role and especially within a university context. So I guess first and foremost, setting the cybersecurity strategy. So really, where is the university going in terms of looking after its cybersecurity posture and, you know, understanding, okay, what are the greatest security threats for a university? So we're looking at things like potentially malicious staff or students or people who already have access to our environment. We might be looking at external adversaries or like cyber criminals who might want to either get access to our systems or our data or people within our organization and kind of understanding, okay, well, we know, we kind of know who the bad guys are and who they could be, but let's figure out, you know, what is the best way to stop them from getting access to the things of value. So that's like, I guess, one part of it. And then the other part is, um, looking after cyber investment. So, you know, based on the understanding of your threats and your risks and the controls in your environment, where are the biggest gaps and what should we be paying for in terms of addressing those gaps? And so it's kind of about getting the best bang for buck for your cybersecurity investment. And so sometimes you might think, oh, okay, this is the biggest gap that we potentially need to fix. So let's put all our money there. But you also need to kind of understand like, where can you actually make the biggest difference and kind of balance that with the organization's readiness to, I guess, embrace stricter cybersecurity controls. Um, And I guess the other environment, uh, the other part of the role is like incident response. So, you know, when things actually do happen, how do we identify it? How do we uh, recover from it and reduce the impact as much as possible? And so that's, I guess, one side. And then there's also just like the broader external obligations that the university has under different laws and regulations and, um, you know, making sure that we are able to meet those and report on those. Yeah, wow. You're kind of portraying like a jack of all trades here as well. So there's a lot of different areas. There's strategic stuff. There's incident response. You're actually covering quite a lot of disciplines, even though it's just the one role. Now, a university's a really big organization, right? You've got thousands of students, um, maybe thousands of lecturers and teachers. I'm not actually too sure, but I'm sure there's heaps. <laughs> so being able to ensure that everyone's safe and secure and being able to operate as well um, and not get affected by these attacks or, or incidents and things is really important. Do you think all organizations need to have a CISO or is is it a certain size of organization that we have these roles? Um, I think it depends on a few things. So I definitely think the size of an organization is important. Also, if your organization is dealing with anything that might be attractive to a cyber criminal. So, for example, you might be a startup working in, you know, financial 
sector. So even though you're small, you will still need someone in a security leadership position to make sure whatever it is that you're doing is secure and whatever product and service you're offering isn't going to leave people worse off. So definitely those things. But also, you know, for example, if you're just like a a cafe owner, you might not need to care too much about cybersecurity, but you might want to, you know, make sure that when your customers come and pay for their coffee, that the system that you're using isn't going to, you know, send their credit card details somewhere um, that they shouldn't be going. So I I think it just depends on a case-by-case basis. But I think the more time goes on, the more uh, important cybersecurity is becoming for any type of organisation involved in a digital landscape. I was going to say, in terms of being a woman, do you find that that um, has ever negatively impacted your experience or changed your experience of being a CISO? Or what's your take on women in leadership and that C-suite level? Oh, that's a really good question. So I think I'll answer it in two ways. So the first one is I've been very fortunate. Um, I've felt very supported at every level of my career. So I definitely haven't felt like my gender was inhibiting a promotion or progress or anything like that. But I would, I will say that I've worked really, really hard to get to this position. So ever since I started out in cybersecurity, I made sure that I was, you know, reading up on, you know, the latest news. I was doing certifications. So things like, you know, the CISSP, the CISA, PCIQSA, IRAB and things like that. And just making sure that I was like, I knew what I was talking about when I was, you know, in a meeting room and when I was doing work. And then just also having that attitude of like continuously learning from the people around you and just saying yes to every opportunity. Because I think when it comes to cybersecurity, you kind of need to know how the pieces of the puzzle come together um, not just what one piece of the puzzle looks like. So it's it's just kind of being being open to everything and having a good attitude and then just always knowing that you won't know everything. It's kind of impossible in a field like this um, and working with the people around you to bring them up and yourself up in terms of skills and capabilities. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to look at it. You actually are proactively building your cybersecurity knowledge to become the best CISO you can be, whether you're a male or female. That's probably a quality a CISO needs to have. I think kind of building on the topic of gender and cybersecurity, a lot of women aren't really taught about cyber. We found like in teenagers, university, how do you think we can increase women in cyber and make it interesting and relevant to them and their lives? I think from from what I've seen, it's more that cyber is a relatively newish industry in the sense that it's like been around for ages but it's gaining a lot of traction now and yes it's definitely a male dominated area just like you know IT more broadly and things like engineering um in terms of just getting more women in cyber I think it's about you know promoting it and marketing it and connecting women in cyber to other women who might be wanting to explore it Um, And just letting them know that, you know, it's a massive, massive field and there's just so many different things you can do within it. It's not all technical. There's also, you know, strategy components and governance and risk management components um, and that, you know, there's something for everybody to contribute to. And if you're willing to learn and um, ready for a challenge, that it's an awesome career path. Yeah, I think that's a great summary if you're willing to learn. And there's like, like you mentioned, you kind of sound like a jack of all trades. There's so many assets and facets of cybersecurity that anyone can be interested in. So hopefully uh, with things like Girls Talk Cyber, we can just expand the 
reach that cybersecurity gets, especially to women, and show them that it could be for them and it's super interesting. You keep tuning in every week. Maybe go and do a TAFE course on it or learn a bit more about it if you are interested in pursuing a career here. Moving back to a more CISO-related question, working in the university space, what are some of those elements of your role which have been really challenging or quite unique as a CISO or as a cybersecurity professional? How have you seen it to be a bit different to other roles or other industries? Yeah, for sure. And I think that the best way to kind of explain that is just by comparing it to, I guess, the private sector or government where you're in an environment that is very easy to regulate in the sense that you know, whatever policies and procedures and standards there are, everybody needs to follow them. You don't really get a choice. Um, you just do what you're told and you go with it. And those types of, I guess, private sector and um, government organisations, they're kind of, they're bound, right? So there is a, some kind of boundary around that organisation in terms of like, you know, this is our place of work. These are our staff. These are the devices they're using. These are the rules they need to follow. Whereas in a university, you throw the, all of that out the window. So universities are spread out. You know, there's multiple campuses. There are campuses in Australia. There are campuses overseas. You have a massive, massive amount of, you know, BYOD devices where, you know, you just bring your own laptop in and connect it up to the network and start, you know, working or learning or teaching. Um, there's also an extremely varied um, device base. So, we're not just talking about, you know, mobile phones and laptops. We're talking about gadgets that are, you know, being developed um, that no one's seen before. We're talking about things like Xbox and, you know, space equipment and lab equipment for, you know, looking at microorganisms and things like that. So you're just dealing with anything and everything and it's just very, very hard to firstly get visibility over all of it and then secondly protect devices and types of data that you don't necessarily have a particular framework for dealing with. So for example, like if you're looking at like space equipment or something like that, and that's not your traditional, you know, laptop, how do you secure it? How do you find out what the vulnerabilities are? How do you find out if you are a bad guy, what damage you could do if you got access to it? So it's just a very different and very varied and challenging space to work within. And not to mention, you know, the thousands and thousands of staff and students that you need to cater to as well. So it's it's very different. It's very challenging. And I think it's very much about focusing on what are the greatest assets for the university and how do we best protect those and then make our way to, you know, the, the less and less and less important assets. Yeah, crazy. It's also um, quite intense to think about all of the, you know, every single student maybe has a USB and then that gets plugged in and just anything right whether it's equipment that's on campus or whether it's all of these personally owned devices and things just getting plugged in left right and center it's such a massive massive um surface I suppose and really I can imagine very challenging to regulate have any visibility of whatsoever really (laughs) yeah yeah definitely but I think um you know it's it's a challenge but it's also really fun uh and I love it and I love that kind of quirky randomness of a university that Um, makes every day very very entertaining yeah (laughs) um what what is the university whether that's the university of newcastle or other universities doing to promote cybersecurity awareness and is there any mandatory training that universities usually conduct or 
is cybersecurity awareness something that's developing in university communities? Um, yeah, what are you doing in that space? Yeah, so I guess um, in most universities, there's like a bit of a separation between the academic side, which is, you know, where your lecturers and students might live. And then there's a, the other side, which is more like the corporate services side. So it's, you know, things like IT, HR, legal, finance. And so when it comes to the corporate side, it's a lot easier to get everybody to do mandatory cybersecurity awareness training and, you know, raise awareness that way. But when it comes to students, uh, we definitely are trying to get better and better at it because I think, you know, as a uni student, you don't want to continuously have to read emails around cyber or do training and things like that. So we want to kind of make it fun and engaging and motivational. And so um, we're constantly trying to find ways of getting you know, cyber safety messages out there, whether that be on like digital signs or social media or just, you know, having stalls up around the university. So definitely more to do in that space. But I think, you know, the role of a university isn't just to protect the organisation. It's also to, you know, equip our staff and our students with the knowledge they need to, you know, operate in a cyber safe manner and give our students the skills that they need to take that kind of cyber safe mentality into the job that they want to um, work within once they've graduated. Cool. Anything else, Em? No, I think it was really interesting to hear about like spacecraft. I think personally, like I I don't really know much about the university cybersecurity challenges. So it's really interesting to hear like how bespoke they are. Um, and I can imagine like pretty cutting edge new research is coming out of universities like day to day. And that'll be like really valuable IP for the university and students and yeah it's just interesting to hear about a plethora of elements that I didn't even know existed. It's definitely extremely varied and it kind of feels like we're trying to look after a small city with different towns with how that have different needs and different people and different activities so you just kind of have to put your I don't know be creative when it comes to cybersecurity. Shreem, what's your favourite thing about being a SISO? Um, I just find it very challenging and entertaining and interesting all at the same time. Yeah, that's what I like about it. And, and I just, I think just cyber in general is just an awesome field to be in because no day is the same because there will always be, you know, a new way to get into a system and a new way to protect it. And there, you're always dealing with new types of technology Um, There's always like a better way um, to do something. So I think it's just that continuous improvement element and continuous learning element that makes it super exciting. Yeah, it is a really exciting space. And that's why Em and I love it so much. And, you know, it's why we're trying to promote it as well, right, to try and encourage other people to look at it as an opportunity for futures, but also just something really cool that people should be aware of. And I guess here at Girls Talk Cyber, we are also really keen at promoting safe online habits and and kind of empowering people to fix little positive changes in their lives that might all add towards a more secure presence online. Do you have any tips for the listeners on um, how to stay safe online or is there anything that you've done in your either career or personal life that you've found is really, really helpful and was just like a quick change or, or even something more substantial which took less time than you thought or something like that? Anything you'd like to share? Yeah, sure. So in terms of staying safe online, definitely implementing multi-factor authentication um, wherever it's available so, you know, especially around things like your email, your banking accounts, 
these are the sorts of accounts that I guess more targeted and have your more valuable information. So definitely get onto that. Also just making sure that you're not oversharing on social media, for example, like where you might be at a particular point in time or, you know, showing your address or license or anything that, you know, could be potentially misused for any reason. Um, And also just, you know, deleting accounts that you don't need. Like I'm sure most of us have just signed up for like a million different shopping sites or deals or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't need it, delete it. You know, these, these people don't need like another avenue for getting to you. And also I think just, you know, if your phone is offering you like, I know with an iPhone, for example, it can kind of auto generate more secure passwords. Just use that option. Um, and don't use the same password for every single account. I think that's a classic um, a mistake that most people make. Agree. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. A couple of my friends have said, it's too hard to turn on multi-factor authentication. Why should I do it? Do you have like a kind of answer for that? Yeah, definitely. I would say it's one of the most effective strategies for preventing your accounts from getting hacked, if not the most effective strategy. So yeah, it's a little bit inconvenient, but you know, so is your credit card being hacked or getting fraudulent transactions or identity theft. You'd rather just spend that extra few seconds, you know, getting into your account than having to deal with um, all the other potential issues that could happen. Yeah, I think pick your battles. I'd rather MFA over an identity theft claim going through those processes sounds like a bit of a headache compared to chucking in an extra code. Yeah. Um. One question that we also like to think about is why should people care? You know, a lot of our listeners out there, I know I have friends um, who sort of just shrug their shoulders at the latest breaches or, um, you know, perhaps their email was involved in something or they've had some phishing scams or something come their way. Why should people care about their security? People use the argument of my data's already out there. So what? Yeah, and I think that's a really valid argument. And I think we all kind of get like that that fatigue when we see, you know, more emails like, oh, you know, your account's been breached or there's a breach here and there and, you know, it's kind of like this level of desensitization to cyber stuff, which I get. But I think that, um, you know, it's one thing for, say, I don't know, your your, your email account gets hacked and then you change the password and whatever, you're, you've dealt with it. But I think it's really about protecting yourself from, the worst case scenario, which could be identity fraud. So, you know, if somebody replicates your identity and uses it to sign up for something or, you know, um, use it against you or for some other form of crime, which is, I guess, the worst case scenario. Um, And then also, you know, just stealing your money. You know, you don't want that to happen. You don't want to wake up and have like a few thousand dollars missing from your bank account. Um, And then also, like, you know, from, I guess, a more intellectual property perspective like for example if you've been working on something of value for work or in your personal life and that gets stolen then that's your work lost as well so um that's also really important and then also just like as a person who lives in a digital age uh, I think everybody kind of has that responsibility to know what their role is when it comes to cyber safety and just make sure that they're doing what they can not because they think it's like a burden or whatever but that's just the nature of the world we live in now so I don't really think you can kind of you know use the internet 24 7 as we do and not recognize the risks around it and you know you might not care if something happens to you but you definitely care if something happened to your mom or your grandma or somebody else who's in your life so yeah I think it's just 
just putting that into context, I think. And almost like creating those habits of, yes, we're a bit desensitized to it, but still you should be treating it. Every, every kind of encounter is something a bit more significant and, you know, it's still important to be aware of and to respond to as well. I think it's almost similar to like wearing a seatbelt, right? Like we all know the risk of getting in the car could be a car crash, but we still put on the seatbelt. We still make sure we're driving at the regular speed limit because we do want to be safe on the roads and we do have to be safe online. And think of how second nature that is too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anything else you think we haven't covered today that you think would be an important takeaway for the listeners after this episode? Well, to all of the girls out there who listen to Girls Talk Cyber, I think if you're interested, you know, just give it a crack. I think the possibilities are endless in cybersecurity. It's definitely an exciting field to be in. And, um, yeah, don't let any self-doubt hold you back because it's a new field, so you have just as good a chance as anybody else of making it. Yeah, it sure is. And that's a great way to round off today's chat. Thank you so much, Shereen, for joining us on the show today. It's been fantastic learning about um, a bit more about yourself and your role as CISO at the University of Newcastle. Well, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Thank you so much. Ah, that was such a fun episode, Jules. I love when we have guests on the GTC podcast because we get to expose our listeners to kind of like a day in the life perspective, what it actually looks like to work in security, to work as a SISO. And not a lot of people get to see that and get to see behind the curtain. Yeah, absolutely. Like how cool and impressive was the position that Shireen holds? You know, you cover so many different areas in your everyday job. There's strategy, there's incident response, there's bunch of other things that she's got going on. Um, and I also thought the university perspective was really, really interesting. I guess as, you know, I studied at university, um, just you don't really think about the cybersecurity threats or risks that a university may face when you're a student. Um, yeah, so I just think that that space is really interesting. I know. I think back to when I was at university and I was just thinking about assignments, getting everything in on time. Like I was never thinking oh my gosh, is an attacker trying to get into my university? And if this sounds really exciting to you and you're listening, sitting at a job maybe that doesn't bring you this much excitement, cybersecurity could be for you. So this is something we haven't really touched on yet at Girls Talk Cyber, how to get into cybersecurity if you're interested. Um, So it was kind of really cool to hear about Shireen's path to get here. Yeah, Cyber Queens listeners out there, please let us know if you want to hear more about this kind of content. Um, These sorts of career perspectives or tips on like recommended resources or certain network groups, which might help you engage with the industry a little bit more. Yeah, for anyone out there who's looking for a career in cyber or just wants to know more about how to get into it. Yeah. If you like this episode, feel free to hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review and share with your family and friends to help secure our community. You can also follow us on Instagram at Girls Talk Cyber, where we post the latest tips and tricks on how to stay safe online. We also have our Facebook group, GTC Girls Talk Cyber, where you can get involved in the conversation after each of our episodes and catch up on what you've learned within the GTC community. But for now, that's all from us. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Bye.